You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, so in this episode, you'll be hearing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from past conferences. Here we go. So the room cleared out a little bit when that topic came up, (laughs) but it's important. Um, Diversity, and particularly what I've been working on, uh, the idea of getting more, oh, thank you, my clicker, the idea of getting more women into sales roles is uh, a leadership issue. Anybody know why? Plus, this is an interactive session, so. And feel free to move up if you'd like. Oh, do I have to? Okay. You're recording. Okay. I love being down there. (laughs) Why is this a leadership issue and not a women's issue, to have more women on sales teams and, and women sales leaders? How about a guess? Any guesses? Kyle. Yeah, more diverse teams statistically perform better. There's, there's more ROI. It's not about, it's a feel-good topic. There, there's really a lot of um, study that has been going into this, and we'll be sharing a little bit. So I want to talk about the issue a little bit. Who can answer this sentence or finish this sentence? The road to hell? Excellent. Did your mom say that to you too? <laughs> so you say that? That's what my mom used to say when I was growing up. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. There are a lot of good intentions in solving this issue and diversity in general. I'm going to talk about some specific ideas. I'm going to share two things that companies can do right now. And also... Um, we may talk about some things that uh, women can do, and then just a couple of resources. So one of the things that I've noticed in the last couple of years, it's probably been maybe two and a half years, is that most company leaders are saying, you know, we totally get this. This is a topic we understand. We want more women in sales. We want more women on our sales teams, and we also want more women leaders. Uh, Poll the audience, who's who's a leader in a company? How about a rep, sales reps? Okay, and other, (laughs) a few of us here too. So people are saying, and and this was something that for a long time, I mean, I've been in sales since my early 20s. I started in sales as a young single mom because I couldn't uh, support my family uh, as a teacher. So I ended up getting into technology sales in my early 20s. And I found that the people I worked with, not in my first job so much, but in my second job, they didn't think that I was capable to do what I did. And fortunately for me, I worked really hard and had a few lucky breaks, and I did exceptionally well. But they seemed so puzzled at my success. And that was when I first realized that, you know, there's a difference there, and that that 
being a woman in sales in tech um, was there were some issues that I had to deal with. And so when you fast forward now, all these years later, uh, there still are issues for women in tech. And the good thing, though, is now people want to talk about it and they want to address it. And I love that. I love that this is even a session because a couple years ago, it wouldn't have been probably. So we know that um, people are receptive to it. What, what I've been finding in my research is that there's, there are two parts to this issue. There are things that companies can do to have an environment that is uh, more conducive to women sales reps um, and for women to stay in the company and become a, a leader if they want to or to stay and just be a rep. Um, you know, there are two paths in sales. You can just be a superstar sales rep, which is what I often chose to do in my sales career, or you always take the best salesperson and what do you do? <laughs> Promote him to sales manager, right? which is crazy. But that's the other route, is that you could become a sales leader. And but there are things that companies can do to be more supportive of getting more women in the pipeline, starting at recruiting, and then uh, keeping them in the company. There are also things that women can do. Uh, I'm going to talk about the left side, the, the piece about the company leadership. And the point that I want to make is that change happens with the right actions. So it's not just happening with action. You can be a hamster on a treadmill, and you're not going to go very far. And I'm going to reference uh, Trish Bertuzzi's book, since you're right here, Trish. Trish. Trish wrote a great book called The Sales Development Playbook. And one of the premises of the book is that the right answer depends on a lot of different things. And I would say that's why this can be kind of a delicate subject, because there's no one blanket answer for anything around women in sales. People will say, um, should I say this? Should I say that? There, there are all sorts of issues. I, I heard someone, somebody sent me a note the other day and said that they didn't like, they didn't like it in their work environment, in their sales team, when someone referred to them as ladies. This lady, this lady over here. For other people, it's a girl. For other people, it's chick. You know, I mean, it's, there's no one answer. And a lot of it's regional. It's based on a, a number of different things. So I'm not going to give you a cookie-cutter solution. I just want to talk about it and have some conversation uh, among those of you that are here. So um, working when you do get the right actions at work, and there are companies that I've worked with and talked with in the last year that have done some really cool things to regularly get women into their sales candidate pool, regularly to bring on a balance of men and women into sales roles and be really successful at it. So there is a lot of things that are happening, change is happening. So these are the five things that we think are important for companies. Um, I'm going to focus on a couple of them, re recruiting mostly, a um, little bit about retention. But in addition, the companies need to focus on, and leadership needs to focus on things like sponsoring. And that's true for any uh, 
any rep that you have that's a high potential rep, you have to sponsor and support and nurture them, right? So this is true for everybody. And then improve. 1% improvement every day. It's a really good rule of thumb. So what can leaders do? All right, I'm gonna talk about a couple of things and then I wanna open it for questions and comments. Sound good? All right, so be, be thinking. Um, job postings. This is, whenever a company says, you know, we advertise positions all the time, but all we ever have are men that apply. It's always guys. And I'll say to them, what are you saying in your ad? Typically, there are things that um, might deter someone from being interested. Anybody that's looked at a job ad, you see some that go, wow, that looks kind of cool, and you see others that are like, hmm, I don't think so. So it starts with the obvious. You know, this is clear bias. We've talked about this for quite some time. I've heard Trish talk about it. I've heard other people as well. Um, it used to be kind of a, you know, shoot them up, kill them, kind of a Wild West frontier in sales. I mean, I know I, I got into it a long time ago. And words that, that talk about killing and crushing the competition don't tend to appeal to most of the women that I know that apply for sales jobs. Whereas, you know, we've been conditioned growing up that it's kind of, that's kind of a guy thing, you know, the war, let's go to war with the competition. It's kind of cool, you know? So those are, those are obvious ones, but there's actually some real subtle words that I, I have been learning a lot about this. And there's hidden bias. So there's a company called Textio, and they use machine language and they go through, you know, millions of applications and positions, and they come up with, um, they come up with some really interesting insight about um, gender, what they call gendered language. So they're looking for language patterns. So it's gendered if it changes the proportion of men who uh, respond to job posts as opposed to women. So in the case of a company, if you're around any company that says, oh, we, we want women to be on board, but they never apply. So that's often um, because of this. So look at these really subtle things. Would you think that exhaustive enforcement and fearless are more male? Like I didn't necessarily, I didn't feel that way when I saw them. Um, transparent catalyst and in touch with are a feminine tone. Is that surprising to anybody? But that's what they have found. So it's kind of interesting. And all I'm saying about it is that you need to be mindful of your content. It goes for marketers too. You know, the message that marketers are putting out, you need to be mindful of every word that you use. In sales, we talk about every word matters. When I worked on the front lines onboarding reps, we would look at what they're saying, we'd listen to what they're saying, and sometimes if you just change one or two words, they would be way more successful. So that's one thing. Job postings are uh, an issue that can be fixed easily. Here's another thing. This is um, University of Colorado did this interesting study that said, um, if you're a woman, this also um, works in the case of uh, minority candidates. 
If you're the only woman applying for a job, let's say there are four finalists, the chances that you're going to be hired are close to zero. So this is when I talk about the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There are a lot of companies I would say, well, let's get a woman candidate in there, in the mix. And what the research has shown is that unless there are two women candidates, chances are they're not going to hire a woman, which is, you know, it's not right or wrong, but if that's their goal, um, it's, it's a really important thing to know that there's, you know, that statistically they're going to have to add, uh, have a couple of women. Anybody have an idea of why that might be? Carol? Odd one out. Yeah, yeah, it's very subtle, but it's like if you're the one of anything, you know, it's kind of like, or people say, well, we don't want to hire her just because she's a woman, you know? Anyone ever, I've been through that myself. I've been through that same situation. So interesting idea. And then, you know, there are a lot of things that women can do to better prepare themselves uh, for a sales position or to be promoted from within a sales position, perhaps to go into leadership. And I'm not advocating that all women are great in sales because all everybody is not great in sales. There are a lot of men that shouldn't be in sales or a lot of women that shouldn't be in sales. But if you happen to have the sales DNA and you're coachable and trainable, uh, it can be a very rewarding career. And by having more women candidates, it actually gives your company better, um, a better pool to pull from, so ultimately you're going to have better reps as a whole. In the past, we've, you know, we've been statistically pulling from about half of the population. Um, anybody know how many graduates from college are male versus female? Any idea? Thank you, Keaton. That's right. We're using our, using our brains. That's good. That's great. Yeah, more women are graduating, more women are getting their bachelor's degrees than men. So we have a big uh, pool uh, to work with. So suggestions for what women can do um, who want to be promoted. This isn't you know, a room full of women who are in sales roles, so I'm not going to talk too long about it. But I'm just going to say that there are a whole, a whole host of things in terms of, um, on a webinar I did yesterday on this topic, we talked about, you know, reaching further and um, stepping up to do a role that you might not be comfortable with or doing a project that you might not be comfortable with. That's a lot of times... Uh, women will tend to say, no, you know, let somebody else do that. But stepping up and reaching out and possibly failing. It's another thing that people talk about the millennial generation, right? People don't want to fail anymore. It's okay to fail. There's nothing wrong with failing. You learn from it and you grow from it. So there are a couple of ideas there. Okay, so the question is, is there a company that I think has done a great job? Um, I think there are companies that are trying harder than others. Um, I don't know what large companies are doing. I've worked with a lot of mid-sized companies that you might not be familiar with. 
Um, but I will say what I what I know about Salesforce is th is that what you were going to suggest? I was actually going to say Salesloft. Oh, Salesloft, yeah. Yeah, Katie, tell us about your your. Well, Katie's a Katie's a manager, so tell us about what's happened because I know you have a great team of women that, and that's unusual for a tech company of your size. Yeah, and this conversation could be about being under 40 or over 40 too. You know, it could be, there, there are a lot of different ways that isms happen in our companies and we tend to hire people that are like us, you know, and, we, and we'll say, oh, they don't seem like a culture fit. You know, what is that? What is that? <laughs> Guess who they knew? <laughs> yeah. So that's the answer, it, being intentional intentional about it. But the answer to your question, actually, what I wanted to say about Salesforce was that um, CEO Mark Benioff came out and said, um, we're going to even the pay um, because pay was not even among men and women as it is in this whole country. That was something I never did when I was young as I didn't negotiate my salary. Oh, darn, I thought it was so smart, you know, that I got a job where I get commission. I would make what the guys made but I didn't negotiate my salary. And that's today, it's still common that um, women don't always do that. So again, that's an interesting fact uh, between men and women. I like that it was a leadership issue at Salesforce and they have their issues for sure, um, but they're working toward it and at least they're vocal about it and they're as transparent as I think a big company can be. And I think that that's fantastic. So Massachusetts has a new law that says that you cannot ask, it's not in place yet, but it will be next year, that you cannot ask someone what their salary is. Is that the law you're referring to? Yeah. Okay, because we have some other kind of weird laws too. <laughs> but <laughs> like drinking, you can't drink on Sundays, and or no, that's not true. Can't buy liquor. Yeah, it's very topical. For me, uh, as a candidate, I would think it's awesome because that's where I fell down in the past as, you know, I'm thinking, you know, well, here's what I'm making. And so what I should have done is seen what was going on in the marketplace. What is my job worth in the marketplace? And, and go from there. And if I can find out what it's worth at the company I'm interviewing for, even better. But I think that that's where a lot of people have slipped up in the past is just thinking, well, here's what I made, so I have to make something like that. What do you think as a recruiter? Yeah, some people say, hey, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? You know, you have to learn how to negotiate. Um, another thing about the city of Boston that a lot of people may not know, especially if you're not from here, is that um, the mayor made a commitment to help with equal pay for women as well. And they're actually doing workshops all around the uh, city of Boston. I think there was one last night um, on negotiating. For, for women to learn how to better negotiate. Um, we, we have, you know, there's stories I know of a woman who hired seven managers, four were male, three were female. Every one of the male um, knew uh, people coming on. Every one of the guys negotiated their salary and none of the three women did. So, you know, we need to serve as role models and let people know what they need to know. Well, a couple ideas. I know I'm still sensitive to it today. So if someone asks me to do something, I'm like, what are the other people getting paid for? 
So it, it's haunted me since my early days. Like, what are the guys getting paid for it? Okay, I'll do it if, they, if it's the same. And, and so I'm probably a little sensitive to it, but you have to ask. You just go out there and ask. And, and it's harder within a company because sometimes we had a rule at one company I worked for that if you talked about your salary, you were fired. Anyone ever have that at their company? Yeah, like, God forbid you'd know what your uh, coworkers are doing. Um, and other companies are more transparent. But if it were me, I'd want to know what other people in a similar position were making at other companies. And that's a really good place to start. And if you talk to somebody, you know, locally, so you know that it factored in Boston is a higher cost of living city, I'd compare it to San Francisco. Me personally, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a higher cost of living city, maybe New York. And I'd find some people with roles and I'd ask them. Yeah, you know, that's almost a whole nother session, but I would say that there's a big difference between a mentor, someone that'll help you out and show you the ropes, and what you're calling a champion, other people call a sponsor, an executive sponsor is someone that will walk you down the hall and say, hey, here's a meeting you need to be in because, you know, I know that someday you're, or, or you know, maybe next year, I'm looking for you to, to take that role or to learn more about that. So that's a big difference. Um, an executive sponsor, champion, I, I'd want one of all. One of everyone. <laughs> you can't get enough, enough help uh, as you're building your career, and I think that that's really important. They don't have to be in your company, and it's the same for the guys, too, as you're building your careers. Um, everybody needs somebody to bounce things off of, to know if you're doing, you know, go, heading in the right direction with your career, and I, I've found them within companies and outside of companies. So, what I want to say at the end is that we do have a website called Women's Sales Pros. Um, the blog is going to start having more articles about things that women can do to advance their career, things that companies can do. Um, we interview women sales leaders. In fact, we interviewed Tony Bennett from Terminus. And um, we, have we, we haven't interviewed yet. We got to do that. Okay, we'll get that on the schedule. And we want to help, you know, help younger women know that sales is an awesome profession, that um, it's not for everybody, but for the people that it fits for, it's a fantastic career. And also for companies to help make it easier so that they can have the, the balance that they want to make more ROI, which is the bottom line. It's a great reason to do it. Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world. Join the movement at flipmyfunnel.com. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.